Welcome to the Slam Radio Podcast, featuring Front Page 305. Welcome to Miami. <laughs> All right. Welcome to Front Page 305. This is Walter Villa. I'm your host. And uh, I watched this great documentary over the weekend on HBO on the Bee Gees. And I asked my, my producer, Frankie Fernandez, to play that, Staying Alive by the Bee Gees. All the music today is going to be in the Bee Gees. And I love the fact that they're so 305, Frankie, that this music happened when they were down here. And that was really inspirational to see that. Um, well, today we're going to talk a little bit about the College World Series. We're going to talk about the Marlins. We're going to talk about the Stanley Cup finals. And our first guest is the great Mike Rooney, who works for ESPN. He works, he's uh, one of my uh, fellow uh, writers on d1baseball.com. And uh, it's just uh, an honor to have him on. Welcome to the front page. Hey, what's up, Walter? And I mean, you just made my day with Bee Gees. I didn't even know there was a documentary on the Bee Gees. Come on, this is a this is already a win. You you got to watch it. It was terrific, and just the just the the, the coolest right in the middle towards the end, uh, the part in I think it's 1975 when they started uh, doing their their recordings at Criteria on Miami Beach. That stuff was super cool to see. And Eric Clapton was the one that told him to come on down to Miami. He had done the album um, 461 Ocean Ocean Boulevard and he did that in Miami. So just just the Miami scene, it was it was it was really cool to to watch. And those guys were amazing singers. And and the song that I had Frankie play there, Staying Alive, I guess uh switching over to the College World Series, I mean that's really what Vanderbilt has done. Mike, I want to ask you and you you got you and I off the air, so I have no idea what your opinion on this, but what did you think about Whole scandal with North Carolina State. Um, they've never won the College World Series, just the, the fans out there who don't know. And they were in position, a really good shot to do it. And then they, 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 a bunch of their players caught COVID. In the end, the NCAA decided that, that was it, end of their season for reasons. And they get denied, denied a chance to, to play Vanderbilt again to possibly go on to the finals. What did you make of that whole situation, Mike? Yeah, I would say, boy, it's complicated. You know, it's, there, I, I, there's so many ways. You know, I would say, first of all, you know, NC State had such an amazing team. You know, it, it's because we're, we're really focused on Omaha right now, it's easy to forget that, hey, NC State went to Fayetteville, Arkansas, and mm-hmm. won a Super Regional over the number one team in the country, Arkansas. And, and think about how crazy this is, Walter. Arkansas, who had this ferocious schedule, they went – 16 and 0 in weekend series. They won every weekend until the last one when they lost that super regional to NC State. So NC State has this beautiful team, you know, just a really athletic position player group where their athleticism um, plays on both sides of the ball. They're field 984. They've got two really good left-handed relievers in Chris Villeman and Evan Justice, who, you know, these two kids are up to 96. And and dominant guys, and they have three starters, which is what you need if you stay in the winner's bracket, um, and that's what they did. I will tell you, I would, and this is a free story on our website on D1, Kendall Rogers did an amazing job laying out the exact timeline of what happened with the positive COVID test um, and those types of things. And, I, you know, I think, I think for, hey, if you, you're interested in fall sports or winter sports, it's an important data point for – hey, now that we're in an era where people can be vaccinated if they choose to do so, how do the protocols change? And, and I, I can't think of the, article, the uh, author of the article, but there was an article on Yahoo.com um, today that I thought that it, it talked about NC State, and it, 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 the title was The Risk of Unvaccinated Athletes. 
And it's basically such that, you know, for NC State, you know, I'm heartbroken for that team, but they did take a knowing risk. And, you know, whether, whether I agree or disagree with vaccinations, that's a whole different topic. The, the, the fact is that the NCA has created these protocols, and if you are vaccinated, you don't undergo testing. And so NC State, compared to their peers in the College World Series, had a very low percentage, you know, I think it was less than 50% of their team had been vaccinated. Again, the, those players have every right to make that choice, but they're also taking on a knowing risk um, that they're going to have to undergo more testing, and that's what happened in the College World Series, and they did. They had eight positives. Ironically, four of the positives were vaccinated players. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's just it's, it's just so on brand for 2021 you know like it's and i'll tell you also the sad part is we've had we had an incredible college world series to this point i mean it's just been exciting great games great crowds everything but you know the, the 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 pandemic is not completely gone and and uh this was a you know brutally blunt reminder of that yeah mike thanks for that that was great perspective to remind people north Carolina state uh, accomplished to be Arkansas that everybody assumed would just throw their gloves on the field and, and to win the CWS this year, how they were. And so it, I think you encapsulated it perfectly. The season they had, they also the fact that they've never won. So my heart goes out to them in that standpoint. They're not, it's been there. Okay. We've won before. They've never done this. They, I think there's only third time ever getting to Omaha. So it is a shame uh, for them, but, you, you you laid out the other side of the coin as well. And, and I saw an interview where they asked the head coach at NC State, has he been vaccinated? And he said he wouldn't even answer the question. And he said, you know, I'm here to talk baseball, not politics. And I guess my, I'll put it out there, my viewpoint is how, how is that politics? That's that's medicine. That's And so, yeah, I'm doubly vaccinated. I'm for the vaccination. Um, and, and, I, and I think you covered that really well. Um, Mike, I also wanted to talk about um, thanks to the good people at D1 Baseball, they sent me out to Nashville. First time out there, I got to cover uh, Vandy, East Carolina, and, uh, and and I love Nashville. It's a great city, and I came away from that my thinking like, yeah, Vandy's got great pitching. We know they're the reigning uh, College World Series champions, but me, the expert, said, eh, I don't think they have the hitting to win in Omaha. <laughs> you know, I just I, I didn't see right. it. And lo and behold, here they are, one win away. They score, what, seven runs in their first inning yesterday. And uh, that's why we love sports because, you know, it's so unpredictable. Um, you know, what are your thoughts on, you know, can they, can they finish this? Uh, what, what are your thoughts on what we've seen so far with, with Vandy? Yeah, I mean, I think it's, it's complicated, Walter, where – your observation from Nashville is spot on, right? Like, like this, um, you know, and I want to preface this by saying, Hey, Vandy is one of the gold standards in college baseball, right? What Tim Corbin and his staff have built there is just yeah. remarkable. I mean, they churn out first round picks like they're jelly beans for God's sakes. I mean, it's just <laughs> insane how good this program's been. I mean, you know, basically for the 2010s, the program of the decade was either Florida or Vandy, depending on what you, you know, what your preference is. And here's Vandy right back in the, the CWS final. So I, I want to be clear that Vandy's program is just exceptional in every way. But I also want to be clear that I agree with what you said. Like 
this Vandy position player group is not the group that won the national title in 2019. It's none of those players, literally none. And so this is a younger position player group that's trying to figure it out. And the truth is, Walter, they've not been very sharp in the postseason. You know, Georgia Tech gave them a nightmare regional, really gave them all they could handle. And then East Carolina, you know, the, you know, I, I thought the position player group for Vandy was very underwhelming in that super regional. But again, when you've got Kumar Rocker, who is, you know, a historically great college baseball pitcher, and you've got Jack Leiter, who could be the first college arm taken in the draft, those guys make up for a lot of other things. And, you know, you, you think about Vandy's trip here. I mean, you know, Stanford absolutely had them beat, um, you know, last week in, in an elimination game. And, it, you know, the, the, they come back, and to their credit, Stanford just kind of runs out of pitching. Um, you know, so, so Vandy has done enough to get here, but it is ironic. Like, even last night, I didn't, I didn't love – I didn't think Vandy's playing great baseball. I mean, Christian McLeod of Mississippi State walks two and hits two. Vandy has one hard-hit ball and scores seven runs. So, again, Vandy is – this is what a winning program looks like, where even when – it's not pretty, you still win. And I think that's probably the highest compliment I can give Vandy right now is, you know, Rocker and Leiter are, you know, generational talents. And their position player group, it's just, it's just a winning group that's not playing great right now, but they're figuring it out. Yeah, and the other thing, uh, Mike, is their academics, as we all know, are top of the line. So to accomplish what they've done, given that it can't be easy to get those kids on campus with the uh, stringent, um, you know, academics that they have to have to get into Vanderbilt. And of course you have to divvy up all those scholarships. <laughs> it's really difficult to do. Uh, what is it? 9.5 when you have 30, 35 players. I mean, everybody has to do that same thing, but they have the added degree of difficulty of really high achieving academically type kids and to find those guys that can fit into that program. And, um, and they do have a 305 type player on there. Um, they're, they're a speedy leadoff man, Enrique Bradfield. And so shout out to him. I wonder what you thought, um, Mike, about Mississippi State. Um, I guess it was 2019. Again, thanks to D1 Baseball, sent me out there to Starkville. Love that place as well. Maybe the best place to watch college baseball in the country. Well, I guess LSU would be another one. But um, they're, you know, the, the proverbial, always the bridesmaid, never the bride. Haven't won it. Seem to get close. I think this is a third year in a row they're, they're, they're at Omaha, a terrific program. Uh, what are your thoughts on them? And, and it's going to be uphill, but can they win two straight and, and, and take this title? Yeah, I mean, I, I, they certainly can do it. You know, uh, Mississippi State's got an incredible team, very veteran team. You know, you got kind of rocks they can lean on and Tanner Allen and, and um, Rowdy Jordan are, are, are two names at the top of the order. And, you know, they're going to need that because they're going to play, you know, they're obviously low off game one. And, you know, the other thing on Mississippi State is this is their third consecutive trip to the College World Series. So, you know, they, they were there in 18 and 19 and now 21. So, you know, I, I just think that the Mississippi State's a team. They don't strike out. It's, a, it's an older, feisty position player group. They, um, they've got tremendous arm strength in their bullpen. Uh, I think the challenge for Mississippi State right now is that, you know, you had Christian McLeod who really struggled down the stretch last night. You know, he, you know, he just couldn't couldn't get out of the first inning. And now they're going to have Houston Harding, who had been a reliever earlier in the year, 
he's going to pitch on short rest, and he's been very competitive. But, you know, this is not a dominant arm. You know, Vandy, their third starter, they, they've been a little bit vulnerable in that place. But if, if Mississippi State's able to win today, and I, I think they probably will, um, the problem is they're going to face Kumar Rocker tomorrow. And, you know, now Mississippi State's got a first-rounder. They can throw at Vandy, too, and Will Bednar. But you think about it, Kumar Rocker threw on Friday, so Wednesday's short rest for him. But Will Bednar threw on Saturday, so that's more short rest for him. So, again, it's the last start of the year for these guys. And, you know, I, I, they're certainly going to be up for the challenge if we get to a game three. But, um, yeah, it's, you know, for Mississippi State, it's doable. But it's certainly, it, at least to me, it does not feel high percentage right now. Yeah. Well, I'm trying to sum up the whole season, Mike. What, what can you tell me? What's the best thing you saw in college baseball this year? Best performance? Most memorable story? What sticks out about the year? I mean, other than the fact that we've had a year, right, coming off of COVID, that's the, that's, I'm sure that's the primary thing that we get to have a season, hopefully, to its completion. But what stands out about the year in your mind? Yeah, I would say, Walter, a couple things. One is, yeah, I, I mean, I, I think as, as heartbroken as we all are for NC State, uh, you know, everybody involved in college sports, administrators, support staff, athletes, coaches, Everyone deserves the tip of the cap that we had anything resembling a normal season this year. I mean, it was just incredible that we got to play as much college baseball as we did. So I, th- I think that's part one. You know, I can't even imagine the discipline, the sacrifice, the work ethic, the long hours that went into that. And, um, and, and again, you know, like we often take shots at college administrators for not valuing college baseball enough. But I, I, I often heard college administrators say to, regarding spring sport athletes, hey, these kids did not get to have an NCAA tournament last year. We need to do everything we can to make that happen in 2021. I, I really appreciate that. It, it was a great reminder of, uh, that, that these people do get into college sports for the right reasons. So I think that's part one. Part two, Walter, I'd give you is Arkansas. Just, you know, Dave Van Horn has built a powerhouse program in Fayetteville. Like Starkville, it's another fan base that is just, you know, fully in love with college baseball. It's an awesome place to watch a game. Um, those people love college baseball. And, you know, Arkansas had this beautiful team that just kind of ran into a buzzsaw in Super Regionals. And they're a great reminder that you can have a historically great team and not have that season end in Omaha. It's a great reminder how hard getting to the College World Series is. What an incredible accomplishment it is. And the final one I'll give you, Walter, is in the College World Series, Virginia's catcher Logan Michaels hit his first home run of the season against Tennessee in their first game. And, you know, obviously I work for ESPN. I'm partial to ESPN. But they did a beautiful job capturing his father in the stands, Jeff Daniels. I think his name's Jeff. I apologize if I messed up the name. But anyway – his father is a uh, uh, cancer survivor, had pancreatic cancer uh, over the last three years, which obviously is really difficult. And uh, Mr. Daniels is in the stands watching his son hit his first home run of the year, the emotion pouring out of him. And then um, a, a little girl got the home run ball, and her grandmother called her and said, hey, you need to take that ball to section blankety blank and wow. give this ball to dad. She does it. And then, you know, it's all on camera where the dad just starts sobbing with, you know, joy and 
I mean, it makes, I'm getting choked up thinking about it now. And so, you know, and, 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 you know, Logan Michaels, oh no, yeah, it's Jeff Michaels. It's not, it, it's uh, Logan Michaels and Jeff Michaels. Uh, and so anyway, the, the, they interviewed Logan Michaels, the Virginia catcher after the game and what it meant to have his dad there. And, you know, the kid is just super sharp and high character. And so long story short is, you know, those are the moments that remind yeah. us why we love college sports and, 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 you know, they are human beings. So really, really cool story. No, that's awesome. Mike, it's been great to have you on. I'm going to get you out of here on one last question because you are on front page 305. So I've got to ask you about the 305 Miami Hurricanes. I uh, was out there again for D1 baseball in Gainesville. It seemed like everything was set up for the Hurricanes to advance with with uh, the Gators going 0-2 in barbecue. And then Miami um, failed to advance and South Florida became quite a – that was another one of those great stories, number four seed to advance. And I was there for that. And it was uh, – other than the six rain delays, that was amazing uh, to watch that. But I guess I wanted your thoughts, Mike, um, on the future of the Hurricanes program. There's a program with so much tradition and championship tradition. Uh, Gino Damari now running it. What are your thoughts on them going forward? Yeah, I mean, if Miami baseball was a stock, Walter, I'd be buying it. You know, I, I think Gino is tremendous. I love his staff. Um, you know, I, I think I, I love the young core of talent they have in the program. And, uh, you know, I, Miami's another one of those programs that 2020 would look like a really nice season for them, and yeah. they didn't get to play it out. And I think that's disappointing. You know, I, I do think Miami fans are kind of like Arizona State fans, Oklahoma State fans, even LSU fans, where, hey, the dominance of the 80s, that's just not attainable anymore. And I know those fan bases <laughs> don't love hearing that. But that's just not the college baseball we live in anymore. You know, in the 80s, Vanderbilt didn't even exist in college baseball. I mean, they had a team, and, you know, mm-hmm. it's fine, but not, they weren't a powerhouse. So, so yeah, I, I think – but I, I think that national relevance is attainable, and I think they're, they're going to continue to have that under Geno. And, hey, I, I think we, we kind of dogged the ACC this year. You know, playing 36 league games was too much. The, the league just beat each other up. But we saw at the end of the year, you know, when the rubber met the road, hey, these ACC teams can play with anybody. So, yeah, long story short, Walter, I'm very optimistic. I mean, Yo-Yo Morales is a star player um, mm-hmm. that will lead that position player group. So I, I think there's a lot to like about the direction of the Hurricanes. Yeah, and, and, and the big advantage they have, of course, is the backyard here. There's so many great players, you know, the Hispanic community. Uh, and, and elsewhere um, in South Florida, a lot of teams come down and recruit at football and baseball. Not, not, uh, it's not really a basketball town, but in football and baseball, the, the, the amount of talent here is ridiculous. And that's always been an advantage for Miami. Uh, we're out of time, man. Hey, Mike, this was great. I know how busy you are with everything going on. Uh, thanks so much for coming on. And, uh, and we'll talk to you soon, man. You got it, Walter. Be good. Thanks. All right. We'll be right back. A radio. Radio. This is Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. Here's that song again. Here's that song again. For the hundredth time today. 
Here's that song again. It's gonna be stuck in your head all day. Yay! Here's that song again. It will make you cray cray. You love your kids enough to watch that TV show a bajillion times. Yay! Love them enough to make sure they're in the right car seat for their age and size. Show them you love them. Keep them safe. Visit NHTSA.gov slash the right seat. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. To protect his home and family from disaster, Steve used courage, wisdom, and his camera phone. That should do it. Way to go, Steve. By simply taking digital pictures of his family's important documents, Steve can always have them stored safely online, no matter when disaster strikes. Learn other simple ways to protect your home and family before a natural disaster at ready.gov. That's ready.gov. A message from FEMA and the Ad Council. Good morning, amigo. Just the two of us. We can make it if we try. Just the two of us. You and I. Well, you, to, you forgot that. Oh, the two of us, we're building castles in the sky, just the two of us. Go. You and I. There you go. Good morning, amigo. Weekdays from 7 to 11, only on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. We'll be back with Front Page 305 on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. Flowers are beautiful but they become even more so when carried by people who are committed to ending Alzheimer's. At the Alzheimer's Association Walk to End Alzheimer's, hundreds of thousands carry different colored flowers, signifying their connections to the disease. And we walk so that one day, there will be a white flower for Alzheimer's first survivor. Slam Reed is more than just a radio station but a family. It's so nice to know that you have a place where you can feel safe, where you can feel comfortable, sharing your opinions and not be judged for what you feel like is right or is wrong. I'm very grateful that I've gotten this opportunity to be a part of something big, something historical. It taught me that not only that I matter, but that I have a voice. And the mentors we have here, like Frank the Tank and the Amigo, make you love this amazing program even more. There are very few words that can describe Slam Radio. One word that definitely comes to mind is familia, family. We've been offered so many unique opportunities to be a part of something great. I will always be grateful to Slam Radio and everybody a part of Slam Radio. We are a family. They are my family and they will always continue to be my family and I will forever be thankful and I know they got my back just like I got theirs. I love being part of Slam Radio. Yo, this is K9 and you're listening to Slam Radio Series 6M 145. And now we're back with Front Page 305 on Series 6M 145 Slam Radio. All right, welcome back to Front Page 305. This is Walter Villa, your host. That's the BGs again. And uh, I wanted to give a public shout out to my mom who celebrated her 88th birthday uh, this past weekend, traveling to Washington, D.C. with my sister and my wonderful nieces, Natalie and Nicole. So happy birthday, mom. And uh, now let's get uh, to the Marlins. My next guest is Danny Alvarez, who covers uh, the Marlins for Extra, El Extra Base. Uh, Danny's a writer, director, podcaster, social media expert, you name it. He's extremely knowledgeable on the Marlins. Danny, welcome to the front page, man. No, thank you, Walter. Thanks for having me and happy birthday to your mom. Absolutely. Thanks, man. Appreciate that. 
Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. I know you're from Venezuela. Um, how old are you? How old were you when, when you got here? And how'd you get involved in covering the Marlins and baseball and all that? <laughs> so uh, I got to the United States in, in 2014 while being a 17-year-older. Uh, started covering the Marlins in... No, well, I got here in 2014. Uh, started covering the team in 2017 as an intern for EVTV Miami, a, a Venezuelan local station here in South Florida. And then in 2018, I started my, my project of Alexarabase with my partner, Julio, Julio Muñoz, uh, with a bi-weekly publication, uh, also a website, podcast, as, as, you, as you mentioned. And since then, we've been covering the team on a daily basis. That's awesome. I hear you all the time uh, when they have the uh, on, on Valley Sports, when they have the post-game uh, shows. I, don't, I used to go to all these Marlins games for years. Uh, don't anymore, but um, I hear you on the on TV asking questions of Don Mattingly. You do a great job, and I love that you're probably the most fully bilingual guy now. Now that Andre Fernandez is not covering the team uh, on the beat that I hear, and it's and it's good to have you know you being Hispanic and representing right there and asking the questions. I know you're equally comfortable in English and Spanish, so that's from my viewpoint. That's awesome to have that represented. Um, and, and Danny, uh, great great day to have you on because the Marlins made a move today, uh, trading away uh, Corey Dickerson and the relief pitcher Simber. Uh, tell us about it. Uh, who did they get back, and what do you think of the deal? Well, I, I think it's kind of surprising, especially uh, because of the time of the year, you know, when it happened. But I, it's certainly not that surprising because – the state of the team right now is not pretty good. These days are going to be really critical for them because there are 11 games on the, under uh, 500, uh, t- about 10 games back in the NL East, uh, a little bit more in the, you know, for, for the NL wildcard. So it's a really difficult situation for them, knowing the injuries that they have right now, and knowing that it's you know, it's only going to get even more complicated from now on. So they moved Dickerson. Uh, and Adam Simber to the Toronto Blue Jays in exchange for Joe Panic, uh, veteran infielder, world champion with the San Francisco Giants, all-star, um, gold glover. I mean, a player that can do so many things, but not on, not, not as a regular. He's going to be coming off the bench as a left-handed hitter, uh, probably playing second base, shortstop, third baseman, uh, from one day to, to the other, maybe a substitute for, for justice on it. He needs a day off or Miguel Rojas. And also remember that Brian Anderson is on the 60-day IL and he's not going to be available to come back until late July. So he's probably going to get some playing time at third and also coming off the bench once and is back. And also it's going to depend on what happens with Miguel Rojas, with Miguel Rojas if, if, if he ends up getting traded or not. Yeah, he is, as of right now, Danny, then, is listening to you talk, he could cut into uh, John Birdie's playing time a little bit, potentially. And I kind of like, uh, I mean, Birdie's probably better off the bench, but he does give them speed and, and hustle. Um, I'm not sure how much Joe Panic has left. Uh, it's an interesting move. And also, what does this do for the outfield? Because there's a logjam out there, and you and I talked off the air about this, and so many young outfielders they have coming up, and then they have – uh, in terms of the veterans, uh, Adam Duvall, um, they have Garrett Cooper that can play out there. They have Starling Marte. All those guys, I guess, potentially could get traded. And then they have all the young guys coming up. 
Break down a little bit the outfield as you see it, you know, after the trade deadline. I mean, it's hard to prognosticate, but give me your thoughts on, on how this could play out. Well, this is going to be really interesting, uh, Walt, and, and it's probably the most intriguing uh, part about this uh, wave of movements that are going to come in, in, in the next couple of weeks because now they, they probably are projecting Jesus Sanchez as, as their full-time left fielder. Right. Uh, but that's just going to happen as you know when, when Adam Duval is playing in right field. But I, I certainly think, think that Adam Duval might be moved in, in a couple of weeks from now uh, because if, if you see the team uh, right now, if they're not going to compete, then it doesn't make any sense to, to be blocking one of the prospects for, just for Duval or Jesus Aguilar or uh, one of the guys that you might lose uh, after this year at the free agency. So with, with that said, I also think that Starling Marte is a good <laughs> candidate to, to be traded soon um, because you know he's going to be a free agent after this year. He's 33 years old. He said that he wants to, to stay here, but Kimang said that there hasn't been any conversations with him yet. There might be some conversations uh, during the trade deadline, maybe letting Marte know that, hey, uh, we can trade you and then in the offseason, we can negotiate a contract or, or whatever. But right now, uh, they have a lot of that in, in the outfield. And I'm seeing Sanchez in left. Maybe a guy like Brinson or Harrison coming after, you know, once Marte and, and or Duval are gone after the trade deadline. And that's how it's going to play out. Maybe you can see uh, any other Outfielder coming coming up from from the minors, but as of now, uh, you know, with the 40-man roster uh, situation, I, I see maybe a guy like Brinson or, or Harrison coming back uh, if they move Marte or Adam, Adam Duval. And I'm saying this because this Dickerson trade doesn't mean at all that they are just giving up on the season and they're not gonna they're not gonna, gonna compete. Right now, the, the way I see this trade is that they want to have Sanchez as the everyday left fielder, uh, you know, giving him a lot of playing time because he has shown that he can he can have really good at bats, really good reps in, in left field and, and at bats here in the big league, and there's no 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 need for uh, for the Marlins to block Sanchez's uh, development in, in left field uh, while having Dickerson as your everyday left fielder while he was not performing really good. Yeah, I saw uh, Sanchez hit a home run. He's a lefty hitter, um, home run to center, dead center field. It was very impressive. Uh, yeah. But, you know, the consistency isn't isn't there yet. Will it ever be there? We don't know. And, it, and it's just really interesting, Danny, what's happened with the Marlins because they've gotten a bit of a free pass this year in terms of attendance because of COVID. And But, you know, at some point they're going to be back to full crowds throughout majors and and the and if they trade a bunch of veterans like they may do last place i mean this 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 is a front-running town um and they're not they're not gonna you know that those small numbers are gonna be more glaring when it's okay it's no excuse of of covid anymore and if they they've gone through yet another trade-off of guys that at least maybe are not great players but but adam duvall has had some big moments starling Marte is a good player and they trade those guys for guys that have, uh, frankly, failed a lot. Um, uh, you know, guys like uh, uh, Lewis Brinson, who's been given every opportunity yeah. and, and hasn't come through. Um, 
So, you know, so I don't know what's going to happen with this team. Like if they do a large sell-off and, and whatever sort of small faithful fanship that they have, what's that, what, what that's going to do, because then st- kind of starting over all, you know, o- starting all over again. That's yeah. Yeah. hundred percent uh, correct. Uh, Walton. And, and, and this is the thing. Uh, expectations were high with this team, especially after making the playoff last year. And I don't, Listen, every team wants to win and wants to compete and wants to get to the playoffs. But I don't know if the Marlins were fully ready uh, to get there, knowing the division where they're in and knowing that this offense was not going to be consistent enough to carry that team all the way through October. And knowing uh, the amount of days off that guys guys like Aguilar or Duval or Cooper may need during the season, you don't see that with, with big teams. So like you, you, you only see, for example, I mean, if you go to the Braves, you don't see Freeman taking as many days off as Aguilar or these guys that I just mentioned. Uh, same with Acuna, same with Alvis. And you go to the Mets and it's the same situation with uh, Alonso or the Phillies with Harper. And, and you see those teams and you say, hey, uh, they have really good hitters that you know proven hitters that might be successful and can be successful during a a, a playoff run um i think that the martins you know their their strength is their pitching and they need to build on on, around that and and have a strong offense to help that pitching and that's what they're they they're not having having right now and you mentioned guys like brinson but you have you can mention isan diaz or monte harrison even Jorge Alfaro, they haven't performed as, as we expected. Right. And that's, that's going to be really disappointing. And if you tell the fans again that, hey, we're trading these guys to get more prospects, there's a point where the fans may say, like, hey, but for how long do we have to wait? Or, right. Forget um, this. Or, yeah, or, and, or, or and, what happened in 2020? Was, was that for real? Or was it just because of the pandemic and the situation and the format uh, that they had last year? So... Those questions are, are coming. July, they're, they're coming back to full capacity uh, next homestand, starting on July 5th with the Dodgers in town, then the Braves. And July is going to be a pretty interesting month because they're having the Dodgers, the Braves, the Padres, and the Yankees at home. So right. people, people, people are going to come, but right after that, they will not. Yeah, and, and the only, as in terms of position players, the only uh, young prospect that really I've been – completely impressed with his Jeff Chisholm and two nights in a row with a triple, just an exciting player. And, and that, that, that guy has shown to me, he's really good. A bunch of the other guys are still huge questions. And then you mentioned the rotation and the remaining minutes that we have, Danny, I wanted to touch on that. So, you know, the big three they've had all year and that's really solid with Trevor Rogers, Sandy Alcantara and Pablo Lopez. And then after that, Cody Poteet, you know, flashed in the beginning and, and it was, uh, probably not real. Kind of like what I felt about the Marlins last year. You mentioned that last year. Yeah, they made the playoffs, but it was only a 60-game season. Baseball is meant to be played 162. It's a marathon, and they were under 500 for those 60 games. So I didn't. Re- I thought it was a bit of, a bit fraudulent last year. And then back to the rotation. The other guy uh, now is uh, Zach Tom- Thompson. Uh, struck out 11 batters the other day, and I kind of feel like. Um, is a 27-year-old guy who's been kicked around the minor, just made his debut this year. He's not a high uh, elite prospect, and that might be a little bit fraudulent. I mean, he could surprise, and maybe this is who he is. I, I doubt it. 
Um, and so I also wanted to throw out there Sixto Sanchez, who I do think is for real, but he's been injured all year. And then Edward Cabrera, who's been doing big things in the minors. Now he's a double A. Um, so that's a lot. But, you know, it, as they turn to uh, try to fill up uh, positions four and five in the rotation, uh, do you think Zach Thompson is for real? Do you think Cody Petit is for real? When is Sixto back? When is Cabrera going to debut? Give me your thoughts on that. Well, that's, that's uh, th- those are big questions, Walt, and and we've been asking the same uh, since the beginning of the year because Sixto got hurt twice or three times now, and it's it's been really uh, re- really difficult for him to come back. They're also not trying to to rush him because there's no need to rush Sixto Sanchez if he's mm-hmm. not fully healthy and you are not in on, on a playoff run. There's no need for him to. To, to come back, uh, you know, that quick. Uh, Sixto has been throwing from 60 to 75, then through 120 feet, and he might be able to do some bullpen sessions and simulated games uh, pretty soon, maybe this week, maybe the next week. And then you might you, you might think about late July, August, or maybe early September as a possible date for, for him to come back. Um, okay. Same same situation with Cabrera. He's been hurt, and he hasn't faced uh, you know live uh, hitters in in a while. So he's getting his first reps you know in in the minors first in, in single A and now in in double A with, with with Pensacola. So if we ever see him, it's going to be late late in the year, maybe in September, because you also have to keep this in mind. Trevor Rogers, maybe Pablo, uh, they're not going to be not, maybe not shut down but they're gonna manage you know their their innings uh count during the year and i i'm, I'm not expecting to see trevor rogers going uh flat out you know in mid to late september or even early september if they're completely out of uh, out of chances you know to get into the playoffs there's no need for the marlins to to push trevor rogers as much as they as they would like uh, you know, so maybe they're gonna manage his innings. Same situ- maybe the same situation with Pablo, who might be around 180. Uh, Trevor, 145, 150, maybe 160. Uh, and then we can see guys like Elias Hernandez, like Victor Sanchez, or Edward Cabrera, or these guys like Thompson and, and Cody Potit. Maybe they're not for real, but they have been solid and they can help you you know, with that load of innings uh, or he- of, of heavy innings that you are going to uh, face, you know, late in the year. Yeah, maybe they can go to a six-man rotation, which we've seen teams do um, and do something to um, lessen the load. I would, I, I totally get it with Trevor Rogers. I would be disappointed if they do that in a way with Pablo Lopez because isn't this like his fourth or fifth year in the big leagues? Yeah. Yeah, but yeah. He's, he's, he's been hurt before. I, I, I've been saying that this is a year for him to to try and go 180 to 200. If yeah. you're gonna if you if if you're gonna be a number one or two pitcher in the big leagues, you have to throw that amount of innings and that amount of quality innings. And that's what Pablo has been has been doing. But he was hurt in 2018. He was hurt in 2019. 2020 was a weird year for everybody. Uh, so the um, physical, you know, the the training that they have they they had in, during the off season was was different. And it's not easy for guys to come from a shortened season uh, to go 100% and throw, all, you know, cl- close to 200 innings. It's going to be really difficult for for any pitcher. Uh, and you can be named Pablo Lopez or Jacob Degrom or Max Scherzer. It's going to be very difficult 
So that's uh, why I think they they have to be smart enough to protect their guys. Uh, Danny, uh, we're, we're about out of time. Tell people again uh, where to find you. Okay, so you can find me on Twitter at, you know, by at Daniel Alvarez EE, at Daniel Alvarez EE, and also El Extrabase is my, my project my, uh, that, that I started, as I mentioned, in, in 2018. And, of course, we're covering uh, baseball here in South Florida. We're going to Colorado for, for the All-Star game in, in, in a couple of days. So uh, oh, wow. that's going to be pretty interesting for sure. Yeah. Very cool. And, and a lot of people in Venezuela listen to your podcast, I assume? Yeah, especially in, in in Venezuela, you know, most of our um, followers, readers are are in Venezuela or Venezuelans that um, may live here in in the U.S. or uh, any other country in in South America. So yeah, plenty of them of them are, are Venezuelans. Awesome, awesome. Well, gr- great to have you on, Danny. Thanks, so, thanks so much for doing this, and we'll be right back to talk some hockey with Elaine Poupar. Right hey, look what I found. A radio. Radio. This is Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. There are everyday actions to help prevent the spread of respiratory diseases. Wash your hands. Avoid close contact with people who are sick. Avoid touching your eyes, nose, and mouth. Stay home when you are sick. Cover your cough or sneeze. Clean and disinfect frequently touched objects with household cleaning spray. For more information, visit cdc.gov COVID-19. This message brought to you by the National Association of Broadcasters and this station. Man, I love my kids so much. I once sat for three hours in the cold rain to watch her soccer team lose by 18 goals. I love my kids so much, I once used a tube to suck snot out of her stuffed nose at 3 a.m. You win. Love your kids? Love them enough to make sure they're in the right car seat. From toddlers to tweens, visit NHTSA.gov slash the right seat to find the right seat for their age and size. Keep them safe. Visit NHTSA.gov slash the right seat. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Text and work. Text and pretend to work. Text and act surprised when someone calls you out for not working. Who, me? Text and whatever, just don't text and drive. Visit StopTextsStopRex.org. A message from NHTSA and the Ad Council. We'll be back with Front Page 305 on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. Good morning, amigo. And then I'd have one more question for him. Did you take steroids? Hold on. Did you take steroids? Why, how can I do why, all of that and then not ask him? But why would you do that? He's not going to answer that question. Why would you answer such a question? Why not? I'm asking him. I bet you he answers the other two very nicely of without course. a problem. Yeah, so why can't he answer the last one? He's going to hang up on us. Why can't he answer the last one? He's hang up on us. Just tell me, no, he didn't. I'm giving him an opportunity for me to no longer judge this based on what I heard from one person in the New York Times. I don't want to believe it. He didn't take steroids. He ate us. Good morning, amigo. Weekdays, 7 to 11, only on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. My mother was always very active and independent, and she was familiar with her neighborhood. But one day, she stopped at the stop sign for much longer than usual. She wasn't even really sure where she was at. It's important for you to talk to someone about it. I felt so much better after my son told me, Mom, we'll figure it out. When something feels different, it could be Alzheimer's. Now is the time to talk. Visit alz.org slash ourstories to learn more. A message from the Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council. There's no losing, only learning. 
There's no failure, only opportunities. And there's no problems, only solutions. So to me, what failure is, failure is the mother of all success. If it wasn't for Michael Jordan getting cut from his ninth grade basketball team, he wouldn't have became Michael Jordan. Mm -hmm. You know, if it wasn't for, uh, I seen an, an article the other day where they were talking about Oprah Winfrey and how she got fired because she wasn't good for television. You know, you got people like Walt Disney who got fired, if I'm not mistaken, from a newspaper saying he had no imagination. So what do you tell them? You tell them, you know? You know that, that all they can do is learn and come back bigger, better, stronger. Because all it's going to do is lead you in the right direction. See, if you're always winning, then you don't really understand what it is to win. You, you got to take those losses. You got to take those hits. There's got to be the valleys, the peaks, the ups, the downs. In order for you to, when it does happen, you go, wow, que rico. You know, this is what it's all about. And not only that, it's never about making it, guys. It's always about maintaining it. That's the toughest part. On behalf of all of us here at Slam Radio, we would like to thank you, Pitbull, for making this dream become a reality. Hey, everybody. This is John Resnick from the Goo Goo Dolls. Giving a big shout out to Slam Radio, the only student-run radio station that's all national. Awesome, guys. Congratulations. And now we're back with Front Page 305 on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. All right, welcome back to Front Page 305. This is Walter Veer, your host. And the Stanley Cup final started last night. The reigning champion Tampa Bay Lightning opened up a can of kick-ass on the Montreal Canadiens 5-1. We're going to talk about that in a moment here. I just wanted to give a shout-out to Reverend Ron Brumman and his uh, amazing work he and his wife Marilyn are doing for Help the Homeless at the Miami Rescue Mission. They're literally saving lives, and I wanted to recognize them for a quick moment. My, uh, my next guest is Alan Poupar. You know, I speak English, of course. I speak Spanish. I speak Portuguese. I wish I could speak French like Poupar can, but I cannot. Alan, welcome to the front page. Can you please pronounce your name? How do you say it? If you, we were in, in Montreal right now, how would you say your name? I would say my name, Alain Poupar. Alain Poupar. See, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty close. I'm sure I'm butchering it. But uh, Poop is an expert in, in hockey uh known him for probably longer than we care to admit going back to the miami news days and and all like that and when montreal um made the stanley cup finals i said well i gotta have him on here um so tell me a little bit alan i think i've ever asked you this about growing up like did you play hockey uh what was it like you are you from montreal right in the city or in the suburbs and what was it like to grow up in the montreal area which i think is where you're from um and hockey and and, and just what was that like? Well, Reader's Digest version. Yes, I was born in the city of Montreal itself. I grew up in a suburb just over the bridge, a place called Laval, which is where Mario Lemieux played his junior hockey. Oh, wow. Uh, grew up playing, yep, grew up playing, and Mike Bossy as well, another, uh, another Hall of Famer. Uh, grew up playing ice hockey all my life. Actually moved down to St. Louis, so playing street hockey along with ice hockey down here. Uh, grew up obviously a big Canadians fan, and being as old as I am, I uh, was able to watch them win six Stanley Cups in the 1970s, that decade alone. Uh, and then since then, though, it's basically been they had a stretch of winning a cup every seven years 79, 86, 93, and then this is the first time they're back in the finals in 28 years. So they're overdue. Yeah, no, that's awesome to, to see them win that much, but. I know you're, you know, cover um, the Florida Panthers for NHL.com, and I think you kind of 
become a Panthers fan. Correct me if I'm wrong. Do you, so just in terms of your, obviously when you're riding, you're professional and you're going to you know, call it straight down the middle as we do, but in your rooting interest, do you, are you root more for the Panthers now, the Canadians? How, how does that work out for you in terms of your personal rooting interest? Yeah, that's a tough one because I think it's both of them. I, like, like you said, boy, if, I, if I'm writing a story, I'm, it's all about business. I think if they were, to, I'd find out for sure if they were to meet in the playoffs, uh, and then and then I know who I'd, I'd be rooting for at the time at the time they did. Right now, I'd probably say, right now, I'd probably say I'd root for the Panthers because I'd want to cover the next round. Uh, right. But in terms of if I'm completely detached from both. Yeah, that's a tough one. I might have to go with the hometown over there, though. I'm, I don't know. Or my native city, I should say. Gotcha. And and that game last night, I mean, again, you're the hockey expert. I have covered it for a number of years, and I know a little bit about hockey, but nowhere near um, sort of your institutional knowledge growing up with the game in a hockey, you know, huge hockey environment. But So correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm thinking the Canadians don't really have a realistic shot of beating Tampa Bay. It would take a Buster Douglas beating Tyson type miracle at this point. Am I wrong? Or you know, do you, do you agree with me? Or do you think that Montreal has a better shot than I'm giving him credit for? Uh, I think they have a better shot than you're giving them credit for, but they have a very, very small margin for error. And they made a lot of errors last night. And the end result was a five, five to one loss. But before you count them out, also think back to the semifinals when they got handled in pretty easily by Vegas in game one and then immediately turned around and won, as I, as I recall, fairly handling game two and then went on to win the series. Now, I'm right. not saying the Canadians are going to win the series because Tampa is clearly a better team. And the Habs have to play a very, very error-free game. which They can't turn the puck over either – near the blue line, near the temporary blue line or in the neutral zone or even worse in their own zone, and they did that way too often yesterday in Tampa Bay. So it was just way too good to make those kinds of mistakes, and you're going to lose. But, no, I do believe they have a shot. I think Tampa Bay is clearly the better team and logically should win, but I think it might be overreacting to last night to suggest that the series already is over. Well, not just that, but I was looking at the fact that the Canadians during the regular season finished fourth in the division, and maybe it's a little bit fortuitous that they are where they are. Um, are they the second? I mean, if Tampa Bay is the favorite, I think you acknowledge, are they this, you know, if you, if you had to play the whole season just in terms of their talent, are they the, one of the top two teams in the NHL or maybe Colorado, the Islanders, or other teams that you would put if you had to do like a power ranking? just in terms of what their talent is. Obviously, they are where they are. They deserve to be here. They've beaten the teams they, were, they, they needed to beat. But give me your sense on where do you think their talent is. I think Here's what I would tell you. It's not, it may not be top five, but I think it's a lot better than it's, again, being given credit for because they are very, very balanced. You look at their four forward lines and – they're four really, really solid lines. Their top four Ds are good, and they've got a great goalie behind them. Now, they're not, they're not Tampa Bay. They're not Colorado. They're not Vegas over the, the course of a full season. But guess what? They played Vegas head-to-head, -head and they beat them in six games. Yeah. So, I, I think there's no, there should not be a suggestion that they don't belong. Because in Toronto, if you look at purely talent, again, there are a lot of people who are going to tell you Toronto is like top five. Well, guess what? 
they had Montreal down three one, and the Habs came back. And Winnipeg probably has, maybe has more talent than than, than Montreal, and the, the Habs swept them. So. Toronto's probably top heavy in talent, and and I don't know that they have that depth, and that may have been there. Let's talk about Tampa Bay a little bit. Um, what is it about their personnel, uh, their system, their coaching that makes them this good? Um, you know, obviously they have great players, but what's the special sauce for them? Well, there's there's just no flaw. There's nothing lacking. They have they have the the stupid, crazy good top-end talent with Kucherov, Steven Stamkos, and let's not forget Braden Point and Victor Hedman. They have great balance up front because their top six is outrageous with Pallad and Kalorn and Anthony Sorelli, who's also very good. And even their third and fourth line is also very good. And then you get on the back end. Their Ds are all big, and they're all good. I mean, I mentioned Hedman, and you have Ryan McDonough, who's very, very good. Cernak's a good solid player. Uh, Chef's a good player, and then they have one of the best goalies in the game in Vasilevsky. So, and then, and they're also they're highly skilled. They're big. They can play. If the game gets chippy and very physical, they can play that game. If they, if it's going to be a fast skating skilled game, guess what? They have more skill than just about anybody. So, it's just very very difficult to deal with them because they're so good in in, in any in every way. But here's the thing. The Islanders pushed them to seven games, and it was a one nothing game in that game seven. So it's not like they're unbeatable. They're just really, really good. Yeah, and you mentioned uh, Chernak. I think you pronounced his name. He's maybe their their fifth-best defenseman, and he was a star last night. Uh, so that was interesting, and it was a very physical and even bloody uh, game if you watched that last night. I wanted to segue uh, to the Panthers. Uh, I think they had a breakthrough year, um, and but they ran into Tampa Bay in the first round. But they played them tough. They beat them twice in that series. They played them tough the whole year, if you take the whole year into account. So my question, Alan, is how far are they from winning a Stanley Cup, which is the goal? I mean, is this a team that's a long ways away? Or given that, you know, they lost to Tampa Bay, maybe they're not as far as people might think. Well, this is where I might be in the minority and I'm going to say something that's not very popular down here. I, I <laughs> I, I think they're a pretty clear level below Tampa Bay. I, it's, it's just, I, I just can't see Tampa Bay and the Panthers unless they play 10 series, 10 best of seven series. I don't see the Panthers winning many of them. They're just, again, it's just two different animals. Uh, the, the Panthers don't have the kind of depth that Tampa Bay has, number one. Uh, in terms of the, the, the elite players, sure, Barkoff and Uberdo can match up or come close to Kucherov, Stamkos, Point. On defense, you're looking at a Panther group that that's very light. That's the, that's the one glaring difference that I saw. Uh, and the stat I came up with that I researched is the, the Panthers in that series had two defensemen who, weigh, who weighed at least 200 pounds. It was Raiko Gudis at 207 and uh, Mackenzie Weger at 200 on the nose. Every single solitary Tampa Bay defenseman is heavier than that. And if you've noticed the series, think back to how often you saw Panther players roaming in front of the Tampa Bay net for very long, and then contrast that to the other way around, where Tampa Bay had guys in, in the face of either Bobrovsky, um, Dreger, or Spencer Knight the entire series. That, mm-hmm. That's, that's it's a very big difference. And, and even... In the forward lines, it's closer, but Tampa Bay's still better than the Panthers there. 
So, um, no, I think they're they're get, they're getting they're getting closer, but they're not they're not they're not at Tampa Bay level. No, I love that you that you bring that honesty to to your opinions on here. That's what we want. Um, and you mentioned those three goalies. How do you think that's going to shake out, Alan? Because uh, they got Spencer Knight. I mean, it's rare. You see in one playoff series a team to start three different goalies. I mean, you don't see that very often. And Spencer Knight, you mentioned that's the number one pick and seems to be the future. Dreger for a lot of the year outplayed Bobrovsky, but Bobrovsky is a guy with the seven-year, $70 million contract. I guess Dreger moves on and they play Bob and the kid. Is that how you, you think it plays out? Yeah, I don't see any other way that, that, that it can play out because it's practically impossible to move Bob's contract. You know, in, in an ideal world, they can move Bobrovsky and his contract, get, get a really good return uh, in a trade, and then you play at night with Giza as a backup. But, again, it's just very difficult to, to see any team making that kind of financial commitment to Bob, especially after you saw him get replaced in the playoffs. Uh, Knight looks like, absolutely like the real deal. He came in advertised as, as a goalie who's like incredible poise and really technically fun. That's what that's exactly what he showed. That's what he is. I mean, the kid, and the best sign about him is you rarely see him make saves that are like, wow, like really eye opening. Well, the reason for that is because he's always in great position. His technique is so good. And right. He's a tw- he's a 20 year old who plays like a 30 year old who's been in the NHL for 10 years. I mean, like nothing rattles him. And he's like you mentioned being nervous before his first playoff start. Well, sure didn't look like it. So, Alan. Um, yeah, the ex- Alan, you, you hear that music? It's like at the Academy Awards. They're playing us out. Thanks for joining joining us. A very knowledgeable hockey man. Thanks for being on the show. And we'll be right back, or we'll be back next time. Rather, see you guys later. The views and opinions expressed on Front Page 305 are entirely those of the host, guests, and callers and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of Slam Radio. The views and opinions expressed on Front Page 305 are entirely those of the host, guests, and callers and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of Slam Radio.